Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I bet this is a problem all over the country. So the, the public transit in San Francisco is called BART. But, you know, every city's got it. And the pandemic has cost BART a billion dollars because, you know, people not going to work aren't riding the BART. So it's they're a billion dollars in the hole from where they normally are. And I'll bet this is true of big metropolitan areas all over the country. And there's no reason to think that the traditional commute is ever going to return. Because right. a lot of these people are, well, first of all, a bunch of people gotten fired. But the people that aren't fired, they're still working there, but they're going to work from home. And what is this going to do for public transit in big cities all across America if they're running a billion or more uh, less dollars than they're, than they're used to? Right. Well, and there are plenty of systems or parts of systems that aren't anywhere near self-sustaining sure. anyway. Oh, yeah. They were upside they're down already bleeding money. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good stuff to get to this hour, including uh, Professor Jonathan Turley just bringing it in favor of free speech. Got a freedom-loving quote of the freedom, day. Freedom, that's going like. to be our new thing. we got to keep hitting uh, Ted Cruz, huh? He's our man. Freedom! freedom! Do, do we need that? He's in a hotel ballroom screeching like he's William Wallace. I mean, I agree with him, but I don't know. Anyway, a lot of good stuff to get to this hour. We hope it will be chock full of information. But first, before we get on to any of that, it's time to take a fun back look back at the week that was. It's Cow Clips of the Week. The book is a surprising collaboration called The Berenstein Bears Kill Osama Bin Laden. Yeah, you know, Denver departure, United 328 Heavy Mayday aircraft uh, just experienced a engine failure, need to turn immediately. He informed us that he was hit in the head and stuffed in a car in front of his home. He admitted that he fabricated the story. Because he didn't want to go to work. Show me the data, the contact tracing data that shows transmission is happening there, and then I will close my doors. Until then, let me earn a living. Last summer, a group of moms found her site and started a campaign to get her three kids kicked out of Sacred Heart Parish, a Catholic elementary school. Today we mark a truly grim, heartbreaking milestone. 500,071 dead. I think they made the right move. In one episode, Fozzie does a stand-up routine that begins with hickory dickory da. At this stage, we've seen substantial evidence that points to the Russian Foreign Intelligence Agency, and we have found no evidence that leads us anywhere else. We'll be back to normal by April, Christmas, a year and a half from now. One of those. Any one of those. And so when we're deciding between shots, I, in a way, don't want people looking at these headline figures, 95 versus 66. Look at the number 100. That's how effective these are at blocking hospitalization and death. Well, I don't know if he'll run in 2024 or not, but if he does, I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he will win the nomination. I hate to say this looked like a long cylindrical object. It almost looked like a cruise missile type of thing moving really fast and went right over the top of it. It may look like toothpaste, but this 3D printing technology is spitting out a 1,900-square-foot house. I'm not saying she's a smoked turkey, but the smoker's warming up. Instead of just counting the cows in the field and moving, they were counting the legs and dividing by four. And then I had... 
have 11 vodka-soaked green grapes <laughs> right around 11.30. In the immortal words of William Wallace, Freedom! <sighs> That's not supposed to be your reaction to the charming feature cow. Yeah. There you I go. Uh, nah, just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So and I agree with Ted on so much. I just he, he he doesn't have the authentic gene. As soon as he decides he's going to sway the crowd, he just comes off as jivey to me. But that's just me, and I like Ted. So it turns out, so that uh, the little clip in there was Joe referencing a a 106-year-old woman that has nine gin-soaked raisins every morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we got a bunch of texts from people that, that do that. That's a pretty common thing that some people do. Gin is an anti-inflammatory, they say, yeah, or something like it helps, that. Yeah, helps with digestion and, uh, and joint pain and all kinds of things. <laughs> right, right, right. And the uh, the pot helps my glaucoma, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Makes I was your... just going to say, I can come up with all sorts of rationale for just adding a little shot in the morning. Makes your spouse more attractive and your boss less of a jerk. <laughs> I'm just drunk. <laughs> I just don't care anymore that much. Is it really? I have a couple more reasons. Makes you a slightly better golfer for a little while. Well, the uh, the raisins make you more regular, too, so you have that going on. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'll have to try that, too. Who am I to criticize the old gal? She's 106, just survived the vid as well. She's the oldest uh, survivor of COVID they can, they can find. My uh, parents are currently, because it's winter, they're at their um, RV home. What do you call those places where old people hang out? RV park. Yeah, uh, they got a house up in the mountains that they live in most of the year, but uh, during the uh, the snowy season, they go down and they live in this RV park with a whole bunch of old other old people, and I call it old people spring break because they have more fun than anybody I've ever known in my life, except for maybe spring breakers. It's just mm-hmm. it's a party every day. It always has been. It's a little yes. different with the pandemic going on, although not a lot different. They're still doing a lot of stuff, but they've had uh, and my parents haven't been able to get the vaccine yet. There's so many old people in that county outside of Phoenix that. You know, if you're 78, you're way down the list. Hey, we got plenty wow. of 90 and 80 somethings to get to before we get to you kids. Step aside, Junior. Um, but they've had four people in the park to get the COVID so far, including an 85 year old woman that was pretty sick, but she's uh, on the other side of it now. And my mom walks with her, her every day, and she survived it at age 85. You get it at oh, 80, that's nice. You get it at 85. You got to think it is ain't good. But right, right. Well, good for her. That's nice. Glad to hear that. I'm hoping soon we'll have to remind each other. You remember how crazy it was? Right. God dang it. You get all those old. Oh, first of all, uh, that county might be different with all the old people. But in general, get all the old people the damn vaccine. Obviously. God, where did I, I liked what Governor Justice of West Virginia said. We had three criteria, age, age, and age. All right. So I, I heard a story out of California this morning. I heard it on the news. So they've decided in California they've fallen for the lie that teachers need to get vaccinated before you can open the schools. And so they're going to do that. And then they did, they, but so what they've decided is they're going to prioritize teachers who teach children of color, homeless children, and children that are uh, English as their second language. Those teachers are going to get the vaccine first. Well, that's fine. I might even agree with that if it didn't 
if there was no cost to it. But haven't we learned since December there's a cost to prioritizing people? It slows it way down. Everybody right, the gets, cost is time. Exactly. The cost this is, process shouldn't take more than six or eight weeks. The, the cost is time. So so even if you think it's a good idea, how about you just give every damn teacher, is, is any teacher you can get to come to you, jab it in their arm and say next until you get through all the teachers. You'll be so much faster that way than trying to prioritize teachers of homeless children before you get to teachers in the suburbs. That's so crazy. Cal Unicornia is so up its own hiney with the desire to be hyper enlightened, it can't get anything done. God, it's just, oh. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because it will cost people their lives. Um, but there, there, there's just no getting through the thick unicorn hide of these people's ideology and bringing them to common sense. Like, like West Virginia by virtually every measure, ain't the most educated, sophisticated, technologically advanced state in the union. On the other hand, the governor there and the administration have common sense, and they have outperformed virtually every state and every country on earth with getting the shots into the most arms, getting the most people immune, and limiting the spread of the disease by keeping it simple. They're not out to impress their old social professor on Facebook with how enlightened they are. It's really frustrating. I can imagine. Imagine how difficult it would be if you gave me the job of getting teachers inoculated and you just said, Jack, here's your million doses. Get teachers the shots, period. Okay, I guess I'll call the school closest to me to start with and say, um, tell all your teachers to come in and get the vaccine. But if you tell me, Jack, here's a million doses, I want you to prioritize teachers who teach children of color, uh, students experiencing homelessness, and second language, I would have to... how, how many weeks would it take me to figure out who those people are, how I reach them? I, obviously, I'm bogged down from moment one on that. On that, Right, exactly. Then how do you gather them? Where do you go? I mean, it's not just the inner city schools. Sure, of course not. How do you, how do you vet them then? Or I just call the closest school <laughs> and say, get the teachers over here. Any teacher above 50 years old, get them over here now. It'll be vastly more successful. It'll save vastly more lives. It is just, in, it's amazing the extent to which ideology can blind logic. God, Jonathan Turley right. coming up uh, with some great words about freedom of speech and how Congress freedom! is threatening it. No, Says no, a bearded just... Ted Cruz. Freedom! His beard screams freedom. Hmm. Hmm. Recently back from Cancun. Why am I piling on that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. That was just mean-spirited, and I'm ashamed. I will redeem myself next. Stay with me. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm glad to see this topic is still getting attention. The Wall Street Journal with an op-ed piece today. The censorship party. That's censorship. I'm pretty heavy on the rum-soaked raisins this morning. (laughs) The censorship party. House Democrats use hearings to target conservative media. What was that quote you had earlier? I love that. Yeah, our freedom-loving quote of the day uh, early on in the show today was from Vivek Ramaswamy, who is the founder of uh, a scientific firm. He's a venture capital guy. He's a tech guy. 
but he is increasingly an advocate for liberty. He's turning his attention to that, which I love. Uh, he said he tweeted this: "Name one time in human history when the group fighting to ban books and censor speech were the good guys." I'll wait. Right? How many times under the guise of, well, some of this speech is dangerous. They're spreading, you know, inf- misinformation or conspiracy theories, and that's why we need to ban this. How often has that turned out to be the good guys are doing that? I love that. I love that. I want you to think of that every time somebody bans a book or gets it yanked from the shelves. That story the other day of Amazon taking out that book about, um, you know, questioning surgery for trans kids and that sort of stuff. Amazon took that off the uh, off their uh, for sale list. They banned it. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. We're for censorship, we're for banning books, and we're the good guys. Yeah, okay. George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley uh, did some testifying the other day, and I absolutely love it. He said the left's appetite for censoring conservative voices and curtailing their reach is growing. He was testifying at a House subcommittee hearing. He claimed we are living through a period reminiscent of the Red Scare. He called attention to the recent letter signed by Reps Anna Eshoo of California and Jeremy McNerney of California, targeting conservative-leaning outlets like Fox News, uh, Newsmax, etc. Um, he said, quote, from the perspectives of free speech and the free press, the letter is not just chilling, it is positively glacial. The letter does not address the long-standing objections to networks like CNN, MSNBC, and others for pronounced, biased, and refuted stories. Some were corrected, some were not. Indeed, major media figures like Chuck Todd have made demonstrably false statements and aired a clearly false or misleading clip without any correction. Yet the letter solely seeks to bar those networks that the members and their constituents do not like or likely watch. According to Turley, uh, finally, there is now an inverse intolerance against conservative voices. The Red Scare was a period where writers and others were put on blacklists and denied employment for holding the wrong views. There are now new calls for blacklists from not just members of Congress, but writers and academics. That's some good stuff. I appreciate uh, appreciate him speaking out. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, and I, I had forgotten about, I, I'd been using the example of, you know, MSNBC and CNN is as ideological, ide- ideologically biased as any of the shows on Fox, but I'd forgotten about the examples of edited clips where you get caught and that sort of stuff right and the whole russian collusion hoax i mean how 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 do i have to remind people of that that was the the story for years on these networks and now you're saying the conservative voices are inaccurate listen everybody's inaccurate from time to time everybody's biased and everybody gets a chance to toss their ideas out into the marketplace so do we have time for the whole Ted Cruz freedom clip in which he really he kind of ramps up here and we hear the crowd roar? I just want to get a sense of what the CPAC convention is like that Donald Trump is speaking at on Sunday. There is a natural pendulum to politics, and the country will come back to sanity. And mark my words, 2022 is going to be a fantastic election year. And so is 2024 as we stand together and defend liberty, defend the Constitution, defend the Bill of Rights of every American. In the immortal words of William Wallace, freedom! Cue the music. 
And then uh, Trump speaking on Sunday, and that crowd will be hot, man. I mean, that'll be one of those crowds where you toss a little red meat out there, and they're going to go berserko. So, yeah, yep, it's going to be fiery. I'm going to watch it live. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's kind of unfair to listen to a speech in a room that's full of electricity. And 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 because in that context, I'm sure Ted bellowing and and the rest of it was it's fine. It fit. Sure. Oh, yeah. Listening to it dispassionately here on the radio, it sounds a little over the top, but I agree with him. I just saw that one of the singers from the musical combo Lincoln Park did a two-hour Twitch cast yesterday about these. What are they called, Sean? Uh, you talking about Top Shots or the NFTs or the NFTs? Yeah. These digital moments that you can buy. I, I feel like this is um, it's starting to leak into my life and more from more and more sectors. Yes, this idea of buying digital art. Yeah, I'd like to point out that you use the terms Twitch cast and musical combo in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. That's mockery. <laughs> <laughs> but so this is becoming more of a thing. I got I got to keep my eye perked up. So are 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 musicians gonna uh, like release limited edition copies of their album that you can download, and it's the same as the one you'd listen to on Apple Music, but you've got the limited edition one. Here's the serial number. What's I the difference? No It'd be the same I'm thing, right? Still blowing my mind. Now, if it was a unique performance. And they only put out a thousand of them. Now you got my attention. Mm, that could happen. That could happen. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Today is the nine-year anniversary of one of the great moments in the history of sports, if you consider bowling a sport. Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And he got it! That is why I did it! Another five! Are you kidding me? Get it right. The reason that has been uh, getting so much attention for nine years now is the uh, the bowler in question, Mr. Weber, uh, was so excited he started yelling things. And one of the things he yelled was, whoever you think you are, I am. And he's really gesturing to the crowd, too. I mean, he's fired up, as you can hear there. Whoever you think you are, I am. Get it right. What? Nobody has any <laughs> idea what he was talking about. He bowled a perfect game, you see. I think I'm the father of three children named... Wrong! Ah, yeah! <laughs> what? You're really good at bowling. Do you play darts or any of the other... Those kind of games? Or I think I'm good at cooking up a salmon on the... Ah, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> what? Whoever you think you are, I am! Next time I win any game at home with the kids, I gotta do that. <laughs> Do you think you are? I am. <laughs> yeah, your kids, your kids would be scratching their heads just like we are. What? Is that a taunt or a boast or? A, hmm. This is chewier than we usually do on a Friday. But one of you texters said you got to check out this op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal. By the way, a lot of you texters 
really help out with uh, producing the show for no money. Um, Emailers likewise, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Or the text line at 415-295-KFTC. Now, I have to wade through a lot of texts of, Jack, you're even stupider today than you were yesterday and stuff like that. (laughs) That's just not accurate. to to, (laughs) To get to the good stuff, but it's worth it. And somebody said I should check this out. Now, it's written by a couple of economists. I'll grant you that if you ask a whole bunch of different, you know, top economists in the world, they have completely different views. It is an art, not a science. It's not like because Paul Krugman says it's true in the New York Times, it's right. Or if these guys say it, it's right. That You know, they're all guessing to a certain extent, and they're often wrong. But um, uh, these are guys from the one guy is with the Chicago School Economics. That's your Milton Friedman type view of economics that fits in yes. more, more with mine than uh than some of your let's just spend as much money as we can type guys and another person that's with some foundation where you want to not spend money so anyway that's enough of that how many jobs will the stimulus kill let me read this to you it's troubling president biden's 1.9 trillion dollar covid relief package is being sold as an effort to get america back to work biden passes this he's gonna say whoever you think you are get it right I passed the stimulus package. Not yet. He's going to say. Wow. Um, They say it's going to get America back to work. It will do the opposite, say these top economists. We estimate that between 5 million and 8 million fewer Americans will be employed six months after the bill passes. Wow. Could cost 8 million jobs in the first six months after the bill passes. The bill would create... One of the largest expansions in government welfare benefits since the birth of the modern welfare state. That's going back to the 30s, my friends. One of the biggest expansions in our welfare state going back to the 30s. It's almost a damn hundred years. In combination with December's $900 billion package, the new bill would expand the safety net to include six months of weekly $400 bonus unemployment benefits on top of the normal weekly benefits, a $3,000 child tax credit, an expansion of food stamps and rental assistance, $2,000 person checks, and expanded health benefits. The Biden plan is well for reform in reverse. It would repeal many of the successful work requirements dating back to the Clinton era, and it contains only minimal requirements in exchange for its cash payments and other benefits. There's more, they say. Unlike wages and salaries earned from work, many of these benefits are tax-free. So the after-tax equivalent of receiving a paycheck versus government benefits is even more tilted against the working. And that is a point that gets left out all the time. Right. If you give somebody, you know, depending on your income, you give somebody $2,000, even in effect giving them $3,000, since they don't have to pay taxes on it. Uh, there is no 7.65% payroll tax deducted from an unemployment check, as there would be on a paycheck. Unemployment benefits are subject to income taxes in most of the country, but six states don't count them as taxable income. In Kansas, a family of four with two unemployed adults who had earned U.S. median wages could get paid, including the Biden add-on package, the after-tax equivalent of more than $135,000 on an annual basis without working an hour. Wow. Well, you do <laughs> need not be an economist to understand what an enormous disincentive that is to actually work. Because I'm a Kansan, I know this. A family of four in most of Kansas making $135,000, you're doing very well. And that's without working an hour. In Massachusetts, where state unemployment benefits are the highest in the nation, the figure is $170,000. 
This doesn't include any housing or rental assistance the family may also be receiving. The Biden package of benefits would exceed the wages and salaries of at least 85% of households. Good Lord. That's a stunning statistic. And if only we had a media that would report on that. I mean, spread the word, help people get a little perspective on it. We support a safety net for people who lose their jobs, but benefits this generous are unfair to those who work full-time but get paid less than those on government assistance. Even in the poorest states such as Mississippi, a family of four with kids could collect benefits of well more than $100,000 on an annual basis without working at all. What sort of result do you expect out of policies like that? Uh, And then I'll jump down to what will happen this time around after this. The combination of benefits are likely to reduce employment by 5 million to 7 million jobs. The $15 minimum wage, if it stays in the bill, would bring the total to more than 8 million. Now, it doesn't look like that's going to be in the bill at this point. Mm -hmm. Can't be. Um, Many Americans will always choose the dignity of work over government handouts. But the Biden benefit package makes going back to work a money-losing proposition. If Mr. Biden and the Democrats want to encourage employment, they should suspend payroll taxes for jobs that pay $100,000 a year or less. This will provide all workers an immediate 7.5% raise, and that would even things back up, they say. Uh, President Biden's bill will make millions more Americans dependent on checks from the government, not an employer. Could that be the point, they ask, question mark, at the end. Uh, A couple of comments, if I might. Number one, they're mostly talking about the short-term uh, detrimental effects. How about the culture no of kidding. non-work, the culture of government dependence? Because study after study have shown that once that's a couple of generations deep, the next three generations are probably doomed. Yeah, what they said there that most people would rather would prefer the dignity of work than a handout. Yeah, uh, uh, until you get like to your kids doing it. Now they're yeah. used to it, and they much prefer the just getting a handout. And listen, the bottom line is for you, one of my favorite books of all time, and I need to reread it, is The Dictator's Handbook, Why Bad Behavior is Almost Always Good Politics. It was written by Bruce Bueno de Mesquita. I wish I had a name that melodic. That's a cool name. I know. And Alistair Smith. The very, very short summary of the book is that every regime, every form of government, depends on distributing the money from the treasury to enough people to keep you in power. If you're Kim Jong-un, all you have to do is really the generals, some of the key uh, administrators, regional administrators, and then they just clamp down and and have a boot heel on everybody's face. But you've redistributed the money from the Treasury to ensure loyalty. In a system like ours, you have to get votes, and you have to get millions and millions and millions of votes. And so you'd redistribute money from the Treasury just in a different way to different people. And it used to be that there was some restraint on that. You you couldn't be as obvious and just, I mean, this is just because there's a disease, which is on the wane, we're going to give millions and millions of people many thousands of dollars because of the disease. Well, wait a minute. What, do, what if they have a job? Or they could get a job. Uh, well, we're, we're going to give them money because of the disease. I mean, it is, it is the biggest cash handout in the history of the United States to buy votes. And again, that last paragraph I think is pretty striking. The bill will make millions more Americans dependent on checks from the government, not an employer. Could that be the point? I don't think Joe Biden is a I want to get as many people dependent on the government as possible guy. I don't think. 
But there's plenty of Democrats that are. Oh, yeah, I've been howling that for years. The idea is if you're dependent on the government, you can't be independent of the party that's given you the uh, the, the food. You are now a domesticated animal. You must beg for your food. And if they threaten to withhold it, you must comply with what they want or you will starve. It's this, insidious. This package that's passing through the House today and headed to the Senate is the biggest expansion in the welfare state since it started. And getting very little coverage. Right. Well, it's compassion, Jack. It's good. People are hurting because of the COVID. Hey, boy. I'll see where all this all ends up. I have a feeling I know where it all ends up. Oh, yeah. With a fundamental restructuring of the economic and governmental relationship between the people and, and the powerful. And it's, it's and, awful. And then ultimately, we'll just be a much less powerful country. Yeah, and much less productive. Much, and less much pro- more dependent. Yeah. Anyway, our text line is 41. Thanks for uh, hipping me to that. I missed that in the Wall Street Journal today. Text line 415-295-KFTC. I just saw this text. Mmm, Mr. Potato Head with sour cream. <laughs> <laughs> That's not helpful. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. If you don't believe that there is white privilege, please don't teach. If you don't believe that black lives matter, please don't teach. If you don't believe in systemic racism and how it negatively impacts our students of color and don't want to help dismantle those systems, please don't teach. Dad. Mm, she got them realtorized. <laughs> yeah, she got them. Does anybody know the background on that clip or anything? Some, uh, a person made a TikTok. I hey, guess yeah. apparently might be a teacher. I don't know. A person made a TikTok. Um, the uh, president has been uh, mum on the airstrikes overnight. Hasn't said a word about it. Hmm. Has Jen Pasaki said anything? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. So, yeah, and we don't need to. No. No, I think uh, let the uh, cruise missiles do the talking. Yeah. You're going to lob ordinance at our guys? We're going to hit the hell out of you. Period. I don't care who's president. Um. Yeah, that's the latest headline. I think, yeah, out of the White House in general. Biden mum on strikes against Iranian-backed militias in Syria as Democrats call for explanation. So I see old uh, shifty shift up on the TV. So Democrats are saying, hey, what the hell? What did you do? What's the word? Nothing out of the White House, which is fine with me. I assume Adam Schiff is lying if his lips are moving. Absolutely. Hey, Sean, do me a favor. Would you play me clip number 60? This is a guy, uh, he was he's called an expert in uh, violent extremism, Malcolm Nance. Uh, clip 60. In the front former of the President House Judiciary 2020 committee, defeat sir. has led to a completely new wave of DVE organization and preparedness that could potentially realize their most violent fever dream fantasies as patriotic resistance fighters straight from the movie Red Dawn. If they do not understand there is a national rejection of their behaviors, then they may feel compunction to act on that potential. What are DVEs and what's compunction? 
This, <laughs> this is a number of stories coming together. We were talking earlier, Jonathan Turley, freedom of speech, these uh, House Democrat goons trying to intimidate cable systems into not carrying Fox News, among others. In spite of the flaming inaccuracy and bias of other channels, Malcolm Nance was frequently passed off as MS, on MSNBC as uh, an expert in extremism. He once tweeted... Uh, well, I'll quote, this is my nominee for the first ISIS suicide bombing of a Trump property. And he had a picture of Trump Towers, Istanbul. This guy called for ISIS to suicide bomb a Trump property in 2017. Okay, so this is the guy who was referred to as an intelligence expert on MSNBC, and they hauled him in front of the House Judiciary Committee to jabber uh, the other day. Uh, give me, whoops, I flipped away from my uh, sound sheet. Uh, Give me clip number 62. Listen to some of the violent subclasses he mentions. Major violent extremist subclasses include the Ku Klux Klan and white heritage groups, neo-Nazi and fascist international groups, Christian identity movement groups, anti-tax extremists, anti-abortion extremists, anti-immigrant macro-nationalists. The 2016 election of President Donald Trump gave them a tribal chieftain they can all rally behind. Kind of depends on what you mean by extremist. Uh, yeah. I'm an anti-tax extremist, I think. I don't, I'm not going to blow anything up or hit anybody, but I'm pretty hardcore. No, indeed. I'm not a big fan of abortion. I'm a big fan of some of the things he mentioned, but I'm not going to blast anybody. So, okay. A guy who tweets, ISIS ought to suicide bomb Trump Tower is trotted out as an expert. Okay. All right. Fine and dandy. How much time do we have, Michael? Uh, we got about one minute. I think that's a perfect amount of time for this. It's a note from JT, speaking of the email. As a longtime listener to the ANG show, thanks for the oven mitts. Um, (laughs) Uh, As you guys are talking about NFTs, uh, non-fungible tokens, I keep waiting for Sean or Joe to say, you know, money is just a construct. Back in grad school, my econ teacher temporarily blew my mind by pointing out that gold had no inherent worth. It was all a construct based on a buyer and seller arbitrating their differently perceived value of a thing. I always like the example of diamonds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, every transaction involves one side who thinks the buy price of something is worth at least what they're paying versus the other side who thinks the sell price is more valuable than keeping the thing. NFTs are no different. Uh, perhaps this list of other virtual constructs can help. 401ks, most of which are full of other NFTs called stocks or bonds. E-checks, online game purchases, Bitcoin. That was pretty good. That, that's pretty good right there. Yeah. My kids have asked before, why is this shiny or shiny rock not worth anything, but other shiny rocks are worth something? It's not a lot different than these digital things. Because people are crazy, kids. People are crazy. Admit me, chorus to this history. Who, prologue-like, your humble patients pray, gently to hear, kindly to judge, the final thoughts of Armstrong and Getty. Your host for Final Thoughts is Joe Getty. Let's get right to it. Final thoughts from everybody on the crew. Michael in the control room, pressing the buttons. Final thought. You know, I keep sitting here thinking, I'm letting money slip through my hands. i got to learn about the stock market, NFTs, and this whole internet thing about, you know, having some sort of talent or skill and having people pay you. <laughs> exactly. i got to do this stuff. Here, here. Positive Sean, our producer, who brought this nonsense to our attention with your final thought. Uh, yeah, once again, I am over four in the pack drops. There's another one this morning. Uh, about 200,000 people were getting in line. I was somewhere around 170,000. Uh, <laughs> only 10,000 packs were released. So many disappointed people today. 
Boy, 170,000th in line. Pack a bottle to pee in, huh? Jack is the co-host. Do you have a final thought? So the town I live near got cleared for indoor dining, but I noticed some of the restaurants haven't done it. I almost ate at the Panda Express last night, and they decided not to open for indoor dining, even though they could legally. And it was super slow, and I just gave up and left. And I think that was God intervening. I've only eaten at Panda Express once, and it was it was a long night. <laughs> the older man uh, struggling to digest that fine sort of Chinese food. Well, I, Joe Getty, with my final thought, I have a major lawn care announcement. I trapped the mole that was ruining my lawn. Now some different beast has scraped up enormous swaths, swaths of my lawn. It might be a skunk. I'm announcing to the animal world, it's yours, you can have it. You can do anything you want with my lawn. I don't care anymore. Eat it, tear it up, dig holes in it, build mounds. I don't care. It's yours. You've given up. Yep. Back to nature. I think that's the same beast they put in that uh, China Express. Uh, kind of express <laughs> easy, stuff. easy. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people. Thanks so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Watch Rand Paul grill Biden's uh, transgender activist nominee. It's good stuff. Whatever you think you are, we are. What? See you Monday. God bless America. This is beyond dumb. Can we uh, get out of here, please? This milestone, while important, is just a marker on a longer journey. I'm not a cat. That's the fact, Jack. Come on now. This is it. I'll, I'll cease now. This is uh, a bad mistake. Because I'm high, high, high. I don't know my own name by bedtime. <laughs> I had not heard that before. That certainly sounds stupid. Bravo. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.